from even the greatest of horrors, irony is seldom absent. Sometimes it enters directly into the composition of the events, while sometimes it relates only to their fortuitous position among persons and places. Howard Phillips Lovecraft When hipsters creak in doorless chambers, and strange and frightening sounds echo through the food carts, whenever bike reflectors flicker, where the air is deathly still, that is the time when Oregon's ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Welcome, foolish mortals, to Kick-Ass Oregon History. I am your host, your ghost host. Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. Welcome to another installment of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked-out history folks at orhistory.com. We profile only the most badass, decapitating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon death, death, death and death, and earth-shattering, devastating death. Basically, the dead stuff. Kick-Ass Oregon History is a presentation of ORHistory.com and is supported by listeners like you. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit ORHistory.com and click Donate. Halloween is one of our favorite times of year. The leaves, the rain, the rotting jack-o'-lanterns on Portland porches, smoky whiskies and dark, malty beers enjoyed inside of cozy and storied drinking halls, and even better if said saloon is endowed with a ghostly tale or two to banter about. We Oregonians are quite lucky that one of those time-honored haunts is Kell's Irish Pub. Located on 2nd and Ash in Portland, Kell's was established in 1983, birth year of such cinematic horror classics as Christine, Cujo, and Jaws 3D. Occupying an historic old town building, Kells has preserved a wonderful old-timey bar feel. It is a great place to just kick back and enjoy a pint. If you haven't been there yet, you absolutely should give it a visit. And if you're not too afraid of the dark and things that go bump in the night, you might want to venture on down the stairs to the Kells' basement and its cigar bar. As you ass-kickers might know, I lead monthly walking tours around Old Town. 
is we maneuver around junkies and vendors and discarded pink donut boxes. I tell stories about saloons and skullduggery and the bullshitting of the Shanghai tunnels, as well as the reality of crimping in old-timey Portland. Around Halloween, we do the same tour with yarns of the haunted establishments that we walk by sprinkled into the mix. I'm always on the lookout for a new ghost story to share on the tour. In 2016, Michelle Devona wrote a piece for the foodie website PDX Eater called Ghost Stories from Portland's Five Most Haunted Restaurants. One of the locations named was Kells, and specifically noted was the cigar room in the basement of the pub. Now, what really caught my interest was that the haunting entity, the ghost, was named specifically. As Devona wrote, Dave Campbell, a firefighter who was killed during duty. So who was, or who is, Dave Campbell? If you happen to find yourself taking our self-guided historic Portland rock and roll walking tour, pause just after the Crystal Ballroom. Walk a few blocks west to Burnside and 18th. There you will come across the wee little Portland Firefighters Park, which features a tribute to Dave Campbell. Littered with trash, cast-off syringe caps, and empty liquor bottles, the display memorializes the 36 firefighters who gave their mortal lives protecting Portlanders since 1881. And while all of the sacrifice of these Portland firefighters should be retold, Fire Chief Dave Campbell's is a little extraordinary in this exalted roster. Perhaps we should start at the end. The Union Oil Depot was located at East Water and Salmon Streets, quite close to the east bank of the Willamette River. The Union Oil Depot was a large, one-story concrete facility with big underground tanks that held 14,000 gallons of gasoline, benzene, and other liquid fuels. On June 26, 1911, a flash from a burning electric motor inside the depot, licked the oil fumes and started a fire. It slowly grew large enough to threaten the highly volatile fuels. The alarm was sounded, and one of Portland's fire companies and Chief Dave Campbell himself arrived at the scene. Assessing the threat level, the downtown companies were also summoned, as well as the fireboat George Williams. The developing situation concerned Chief Campbell. As a news reporter documented, Within a few minutes, it became apparent that the whole structure was due. From time to time, a vessel of oil would reach the limit of resistance and would explode with a dull sound, causing the oil-fed flames to leap high in the air. Within an hour, the roof of the west side of the building collapsed. Apparently, Portlanders have always loved themselves a good fire, for the conflagration soon drew a crowd of 10,000 spectators, this is what people did before the internet. The dangerous fire was burning out of control, and now thousands of people were in danger. Six water streams had failed to cause a serious dent in the blaze. Everyone involved was concerned that the flames could ignite the large storage tanks. 
Chief Campbell ordered the hoses to concentrate on the area around the big tanks. Seeking to gain more intelligence about the blaze, Campbell borrowed one of his firemen's turnout coats and started for the Salmon Street entrance of the burning building. A Portland police patrolman held up his hand in an attempt to stop the chief. Don't go in there, chief. You'll get hurt for sure. I've got to. I've got to get in here where we can fight it. Campbell then looked over his shoulder and told the firemen on the fire engines, Chop that hose off and get her out of there if anything happens. It was his final order. The chief walked coolly into the burning place in search of a possible solution to the grave problem that confronted him and his men. Warned of the risk, he said simply that it was necessary for him to go inside. At 8.35 in the morning, calamity struck. An explosion ripped through the depot, and Chief Campbell was killed by it or the falling debris. When it was discovered, his burned body was badly mangled and disfigured beyond recognition. His clothing was destroyed. He was only able to be identified at the scene by several gold buttons found near his terribly charred corpse. Campbell's dentist, F.H. Walgamont, was later able to confirm the identification from two fillings in the cadaver's teeth. It was horrific. Portlanders had lost one of their most endeared citizens, and then the fire kept burning. Several other small tanks and casks boomed and exploded throughout the day, adding more drama to one of Portland's most sorrowful days. If there was ever a top 10 most idolized Portlanders of all time clickbait article, Chief Campbell would certainly make the list. He should even break the top five. In 1911, his memorial was called the most impressive funeral ever held in Portland. It is likely that over 150,000 people lined the route of the procession. They hung from the balconies, from the fire escapes, and from the trees along the streets of the crowded procession, all gathered to pay their respects to their cherished chief. The actual service was held in the meeting room of the Elks Lodge. It was stuffed to the gills with flowers. But there was another side of Dave Campbell that history less frequently recalls, and that is too bad. Internet searches largely cover his professionalizing the fire department and his conflagrant, untimely death. But Campbell was quite involved with a more seedy, seamy, sinful side of Portland, too. One that took place in the vice-filled saloons, oyster bars, and hastily designed rings on nearby riverbanks. Before he was fire chief Dave Campbell, he was quite well known to Portlanders as Dave Campbell, the pugilist. This is resident historian Doug Kent Crispin, and I'm talking with Barney Blaylock, whose most recent book is on Oregon prize fighters. Fantastic book. Should check it out. And of course, Barney, you wrote quite a bit about Dave Campbell in the book. Yes. So can you tell me about Dave Campbell, the fighter? 
What kind of a fighter was he? Dave was a fighter after the uh, Jack Nonpareil Dempsey style of being the straight-up guy who you went by all the rules, never pulled any weird punches like a lot of people did back then. And so that put him... Well, that gave him a lot of respect. Besides, he was he was gigantic and he had huge muscles and he was good to look at. He was a very handsome man. And so he was popular wherever he went. And when he was a young kid, because he was big and muscular and because prize fighting was like the big underground thing to do because it was illegal, of course all the kids are prize fighting in their own way. And, uh, of course, Dave Campbell got that kind of a reputation of somebody you just couldn't, couldn't go up against. There were a few that did go up against Campbell. In Oregon Prizefighters, Blaylock details several of Campbell's fights. Initially, he had had a few steamboat excursion fights, but Campbell's technically first fight was against Pete Lawler in Portland in 1884. Campbell knocked Lawler unconscious in the second round. The spectators went fucking nuts. Portland loved rooting for handsome, rocked Campbell. As one newsman penned, It matters not now whether the new hotel is ever built or not, whether a bridge ever crosses the Willamette, or the Columbia Bar is ever improved. Portland can rest on last night's glory. Campbell fought Jack Nonpareil Dempsey in November of 1885 in Washington Territory on the banks of the Columbia River. The Portland and Astoria spectators were brought to the bout by steamboat. Campbell lost, and a gaggle of gamblers who had selected Oregon's favorite lost as well. His final fight was against that famed crimper Larry Sullivan. In December of 1890, Campbell knocked Sullivan out in the fourth round at the Mechanics Pavilion in Portland. A complex historical figure, Dave Campbell the prizefighter was as beloved as Chief Campbell the firefighter. I love Chief Campbell and want everyone to know how good he was. He always had a smile and a kind word for all of the school children. Whenever we were late, he used to take us to school in his auto just a-whizzing. And at noon, we used to hurry back from lunch, and he would let us ride with him. I think he was the best chief that ever lived. I want to be good to the children when I get big like he was. Maurice Johnson, 10 years old, Rose City Park, Portland. As longtime ass kickers know, here at Kick-Ass Oregon History, we like to do a seasonal special now and again. For years now, I've wanted to record a professional ghost investigation at a storied public location in Oregon 
for a Halloween special podcast just for you. And I didn't want to insert myself into the process too much. I just wanted to record and observe and bring your ear holes what we experienced. But again, I wanted it to be public so that you could hear the podcast and then go to that specific location and check it out. Not some private residence in Southeast Portland or a condemned and padlocked private property. I wanted you to be able to get in that space too. So over the past six years, several approaches were made. The Piddick Mansion, the Baghdad Theater, and yes, even that mediocre pizzeria that shall not be named. For various reasons, shit just didn't work out. Now the other condition that I really wanted was the ability to work with a paranormal investigative team who would respect our historical process and allow us to document everything that they did. And after the Ouija board podcast, I knew that I wanted to work with occult specialist and paranormal researcher, Katie Montana Jordan. Fast forward a few months, and there we were in the cigar room at Kells, well past last call, looking for the ghost of Dave Campbell. Oh, and on Walpurgis Knock too. It was fucking perfect. <laughs> this is Doug Kent Crispin, resident historian from Kick-Ass Oregon History, and I'm talking with Johnny Ash, who is one of the bar managers here down at Kells, and thanks so much for having us down here this evening. Thanks, Doug. Can you tell us a little bit about Kells? Yeah, well, Kells is a, it's a family-owned restaurant that's been in Portland since 1989. Uh, it's an Irish bar, of course, and they host the largest Irish festival on the West Coast every St. Patrick's Day. But the building it's in has been around, was built in 1889, so it's got a lot of history behind it, long before Kells was put in there. And myself, patrons, and other employees have always have seen uh, strange, unexplainable things in there. Now, of course, some of that energy is focused at the cigar bar which is kind of weird you have a cigar bar here i thought that tobacco was outlawed in portland nope it's uh, one of the last few cigar bars left in the state of oregon uh it's a great place to come down and hang out you know it's one of the old shanghai tunnels and it's nice relaxed and a great little room now the cigar bar is supposed to be haunted. Have you had any weird shit happen down there? Yeah, I've had quite a few things. Uh, one of the first weeks I worked here, I was stocking some cigars away in the humidor and I saw the reflection of a man in the mirror. And this was after hours, so I assumed somebody you know, just got lost downstairs and ended up back in the cigar bar. And when I put my head around the corner to let him know we're closed, there was nobody there. And from that point, oh, other people have, you know, heard chairs moving, the piano, piano keys, you know, playing the odd note here and there when there's no one else near the piano, lights turning off, music turning on, uh, the television in there uh, turning itself on, volume changing, and people have seen something, shadows walking through one door to the other when both doors were closed. So, yeah, I guess we've seen a few things down there. Now, of course, Dave Campbell, the former Portland Fire Bureau chief, is supposed to be, I guess, haunting that space down there. Where did that story come from? What have you heard about Dave Campbell in connection with Kells? So the Dave Campbell story, from what I believe, was started when a female patron many years ago, before I worked in mid-90s, said she saw somebody in the basement area uh, where, the, where the restrooms are and 
it gave her a big fright. She heard, she felt somebody was behind her. She turned around and saw something. And her father was a firefighter, and I guess he had a medallion that had Dave Campbell's image on the medallion. And she just, just, just said that it was Dave Campbell that she saw. Now, I think if she may have just read the history of Dave Campbell that he perished in a building in Portland and maybe put two and two together and just assumed that's who she saw. So do you think Dave Campbell's down there? I don't know who's down there, so I, I, I couldn't tell you. Never gave me his name. The bolts were slipped. The signs that once welcomed patrons in now warned them to stay away. The ghost investigation began. The living members of the team included Johnny Ash, Katie Montana Jordan, Rose Englert, Lester Tsai, the resident historian and yours truly, the ghost host himself. The air circulation system was shut off and down into the very dark cigar bar room we went. electronic technology. A laser grid was put into play. Lester brandished a K2 EMF meter, which detected fluctuations in the electromagnetic field. So, so what is this device? Um, it's an EMF meter, um, electromagnetic field um, detector, basically. And so it's got some green lights on it, a yeah, little, little yeah. gauge there. Yeah, the higher it is just means that you're getting more um, of the EMF. And so there's naturally occurring EMF. And then, yeah, over there was unusually higher. It just, it kept, it wasn't consistent. Like you see how right now it's very consistently just doing its thing. It's like three bars and that's just what it is. So that's kind of like our baseline. And we understand that that's what the natural field in this area is. So when we start to get, if we're standing here and later we, you know, trying to communicate with one of the spirits and they're answering by maybe making it flicker more, that could be one possible way to communicate. One of our favorite ghost hunting devices of the evening was the Ovilus. So basically what the Ovilus does, um, or so I'm told, I don't understand exactly how it works, but um, pretty much when people, when we speak, we make sound waves, right? And we're able to take that and hear it. Um, the idea is that spirits are energy, and when they're trying to communicate, they're also manipulating the energy in some way, but we may not be able to hear it. What the Ovilus does is it takes that information, processes it, and possibly comes through with a word. But conversing with a ghost is a laborious process. Because with that many words, and just coincidentally to have those pop up, you know, it's pretty interesting. Store. So, storeroom? Would you like us to go to the storeroom? Can you tell us what's in the storeroom? What are they keeping there? 
possible. It is possible. Can, can you tell us, should we start on the east side of the building or the west side? Tim. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. A flashlight turned off by itself. Katie Montana Jordan saw lots of shadows and movements in the cigar bar. The resident historian and the ghost host both heard movement in spaces where there just were no people. And all the time, the ovulus was chattering away. Reason. What did it say? Jesus. What did it say? It was like... Oh, no, I'm mommy. Stop. <laughs> We've already established your mommy. Oh. Come on. Information. Information. Um, if you're asking for information, I apologize, we haven't formally gotten started yet. I haven't had a chance to introduce myself. My name is Katie. This is my buddy Andy and Doug and Lester and Rose. And we um, are here tonight because we would like to communicate with you and anybody else that's around. Investigation that's location right now. And we started to get activity. Um, our equipment started to act up as soon as we got up here, and then that was correlated with a personal experience of Lester's. He said he saw something as soon as we got up here, so he trained the laser grid in that direction, so we're trying to get confirmation. And the K2 meter is just going out of control. It keeps blipping and blipping and blipping. So while all this is going on, I'm looking at one of the big mirrors here in the, in the ballroom or whatever this is, and there's like these black shadows by the chandelier. I'm not, I'm not seeing them now. That was, that was funky. See a few funky things today. Yeah, but you know, I see funky things every night. You live in a funky, I've in a funky, funky world. <laughs> Like, what's, what's the, like, Lee the Funky Christian or something? Who is there? <laughs> Del the Funky Homo Sapiens. <laughs> Del the Funky Homo <laughs> So, just to reconfirm, there's two spirits here? If there's two of you here, turn the light on one more time, please. I just need to make sure. Well, um, so, I was coming through this hallway, that's why I, I thought it said hall in there. This was 10 years ago, and there was an old settee here, and it got pushed into my leg and kind of went up, and I felt a shove, and I almost went over the railings with it. And uh, that's why I don't like coming up here anymore. Yeah. And, and I, now you just get to see how many ghosts there are yeah. up here, right? <laughs> when we were down in, in the cigar bar, it, it talked about, it, one of the words it says was zoo, and I thought, oh, this place must be fucking crowded with ghosts. They're like, like, a, like it's a zoo around here. So many ghosts. There's so many goddamn ghosts in this place. Uh, so. 
actual technology, our paranormal research equipment, uh, the scientific side of the investigative route. So what we're going to do now is experiment with the metaphysical side, and that means we're going to use an occult tool. We're going to use a Ouija board, and this is actually my personal Ouija board from home. So if we're going to get any activity with the board, it'll be with my board. We are actually here with the hope of communicating with Chief Campbell. So let's put the pine chip back in the middle and let's ask if, let's not ask if he's here with us tonight right now. Let's ask if Chief Campbell does in fact frequent this location from time to time. Yes for yes, no for no. Yes. Cool. All right, let's put it back in the middle. And we do that every time just to make the communication as clear as possible. Um, is Chief Campbell here with us tonight? And the Ouija board says yes. All right, we'll put it back in the middle. So the next big question, Chief Campbell, are you here with us right now? Ouija board says yes. Are you moving it? No. I'm not. I'm not. But that's what everybody says, right? <laughs> right? No, he's like, yep, you got me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was moving it. I'm nuts. Me all along. <laughs> the one time you asked. Positive person. I say yes. All the time. So agreeable. So, dear ass kicker. You might ask, why in the hell would Chief Dave Campbell be in the basement of Kells, hanging out for eternity in the cigar room? Well, we at Kick-Ass Oregon History have no fucking idea. According to Barney Blaylock's book, Campbell didn't even smoke cigars. We asked Barney the same question. Now... Why on earth would Dave Campbell's ghost be in the cigar bar at the basement of Kells rather than, I don't know, say, at the Union Oil Company where he died in a big explosion? Uh, it's a better place to drink. That's yeah, my opinion, you know. I think uh, Dave Campbell did so few bad things that you know, there's no place he's going to be remorsefully hanging around, you know. It's, it's just not going to happen. He might, the, a better place for his ghost would be up at the, the neglected statue of him on 18th and Burnside. That's a beautiful place. I love it. And it's a really well done statue. And I don't know if it's, you know, the city was going to get rid of it. I don't know how that's worked out yet. I haven't researched it. But they were going to get rid of it and put some ghastly thing on the east side you know esplanade but it's classical it's really cool and if a ghost was there that'd be even cooler just a few weeks ago we asked katie montana jordan to send us her thoughts about the investigation after considering the evidence for a spell we compiled data that is consistent with possible paranormal presences, intelligent presences, intelligent meaning self-aware, aware of us, and aware of their surroundings. Of all of the countless paranormal investigations I've been on over the years, my night at Cal's Irish Pub left me confident that there are unseen energies or spirits or ghosts present. 
Some evidence could indeed point to the presence of Portland's great fire chief, Dave Campbell, who died in 1911. Parapsychologist Barry Taft says, the future of humanity is in the secrets of the paranormal. So we will continue to attempt to commune with the dead, the paranormal, and the parapsychological to uncover secrets and to share with you. So stay tuned for what we have in store next. I guess to sum things up, if you're looking for a cool, historic place for weird shit to happen, grab your Ouija board and head on down to the Cigar Room at Kells. I don't know for sure, but you might be able to chat with the ghost of Dave Campbell. You'll certainly be ground zero for the weird shit zone, and you'll get a chance to admire and drink a perfect black and tan. So take a sip and allow it to feel a little spooky for a minute or two. And if you'll do us all a favor, get your fingers on the planchette and ask Chief Campbell why the fuck he's hanging out in a cigar bar at Kells forever and ever and ever and ever. No pushing. Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers, and be on the lookout for future podcasts from ORHistory.com. We hope that you agree that today's episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Doug K. Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. Kick-ass Oregon history is on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. Follow us on Instagram at kick-ass Oregon history. We're also on the Facebook The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. Want more kick-ass Oregon history in your life? Become a podcast supporter. Learn more at ORHistory.com. And be sure to join us on November 16, 2017 at 7 p.m. at the Hollywood Theater in Northeast Portland for a big screen viewing of the 1969 Oregon classic, Paint Your Wagon. Kick-Ass Oregon History is assisting Oregon Film with the production, and all ticket proceeds will go to the Baker Heritage Museum in Baker City. The director of the museum will be at the Hollywood, and she's bringing ephemera from their collection to show you. Psst, she might even be bringing the Marvin's pants. And... Kick-Ass Oregon History will have a Paint Your Wagon podcast about a week or so before, so be sure to look for that in your feed. Paint Your Wagon, November 16th, 2017, 7 p.m. at the Hollywood Theater, 4122 Northeast Sandy Boulevard in beautiful Portland, Oregon. Just don't get too close to Mr. Kent Crispin. Happy Halloween. Happy, happy Halloween. ORHistory.com